0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. That. And so you can just scroll down to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 26. I'll tell you what verse in a second because there's a couple of things I want to share with you and say. And if I tell you what verses, you're going to go ahead and read them all and, uh, and you're going to go ahead and preach your own little sermon. And then I won't, you know. And so uh, anyway, uh, but I'll, I'll share a little bit uh, of that in a little bit. But I wanted to just share a couple of celebrations with you and some things I'm really excited about. Uh, and so this is the week before Easter. And so we are celebrating uh, as a church. Um, the Easter season. And I think it's just amazing because I know there's so much going on around Easter, right? The weather's getting warmer. People are out and about. There's events. There's just this, uh, you know, uh, spring in our steps, if you will. Right. Um, and my, my, dad joke didn't land the way your hoppity joke did, whatever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're filled with the Holy Spirit to pull that joke out. That was crazy. And we'll talk about that later when we get home. But, um, Man, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I know spring is like an exciting time for people, but, um, you know, I just wanted to say, like, we as a church, man, we've got an actual reason to celebrate. Because here's the, here's the deal, spring is only going to last for like a season, or in Virginia, like maybe two hours, two hours, three hours. I don't know, yesterday we had like four seasons in one day. It was pretty crazy. And so, um, you know, like, like spring is only going to last for so long, and then it's going to get hot, and then the leaves are going to fall, and then it's going to get winter, and the seasons are always going to change, and they're always going to let you down, depending on what seasons you like and don't like. But listen to me, Jesus Christ is never going to let you down. Jesus Christ is alive, like, not even death nor hell could stop the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we as a church, we actually have a reason to celebrate. Like, we actually got a reason to get jacked up a little bit and excited, right? Because he's risen, he's alive. And so, uh, so man, I just want to encourage you. That's why we're doing these 21 Days of Hope. Um, and uh, if, you're, if you're not a part of that, or maybe you're just coming in, and we're in the middle of it, uh, man, stop by our Next Steps table. Give us your email address. You'll get bombarded with, like, a bunch of emails that you'll catch up on but you can at least catch up where we're at and, uh, but here's the question we're doing it's like how do we ask God to bring hope in us and then how do we ask God to bring hope through us? And I believe a really practical way that we can do that is by inviting people to come to church. And people are like, yeah, but man, people don't need church. People need Jesus. Well, I hope we're a church where people are going to find Jesus. Like, you know, like I hope an invite to church is an invite to Jesus. Like, you know, and so you're right. We're not just trying to get people in the seats. In fact, we're trying to get more seats in this place. Like we're not, we're not trying to do that. What we're trying to do is, uh, is as a church, is just, man, share the hope of Jesus with people. So I want to encourage you. um, I think you may have gotten some Easter invite cards on your seats. There's some Easter invite cards scattered uh, on almost every table in this building today. Um, I want to just encourage you, grab a couple of those. And if you haven't been part of our 21 Days of Hope, uh, just identify two or three people that you know need hope and invite them to come to church. People are more receptive To come to church on Easter than maybe any other time uh, of the year, even Christmas time. So I want to encourage you, like, take advantage of that. People expect Christians to talk about Jesus during Easter. Okay, like every other time, yeah, it might be awkward and weird, or just maybe you might be awkward and weird. Like, I get it. All right, Um, but like, I'm just telling you, like, people expect that during Easter. Like, you ain't sneaking up on nobody. all right, like they know Easter's coming and they're expecting it, and so I want to encourage you, man. Let those cards, or you know, some of you are like Brandon, I don't do cards. Great, text somebody, right? Like send them a text, post it on your Facebook or Instagram or or whatever you use, and like invite people to come because we are going to intentionally share the gospel next week, um, like we do every week. But next week we are going to give people an opportunity to give their lives to follow Jesus, to walk out of their life without hope and to walk into a life of hope. And uh, we're going to ask them if they want to do that. And uh, we're going to do it in a non-intimidating way, um, a non-violent way. Like, we're going to, you know, encourage people. (laughs) Some of you are like, well, that's good. That's good. Okay, all right. You know, like, we're going to encourage people to do that. So, man, I just want to tell you, let's step out in faith. I heard heard three remarkable faith-filled stories here today. And uh, I don't know why God couldn't have dozens more uh, for us. And so, man, how many of you want to see lives changed? And uh, that's what we just saw here. God is changing our lives. And man, why can't God change the lives of Fredericksburg and ultimately Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., and the nations? I believe he can. And that's what we're praying for. So I just want to encourage you with that. And next week, we're having baptism. So we're baptizing next week. So it's going to be really great. And uh, you'll hear more about that uh, in, uh, later on in our service. But I just really want to encourage you with that. So that's Easter, okay? So today, what we're doing is we are celebrating Palm Sunday, all right? So Palm Sunday uh, on the church calendar is really just a day that marks the beginning of what we call Holy Week, okay? Everyone say, holy. Holy, Holy, all right? So Holy Week, the word holy just means set apart, uh, perfect, Different, like so good, not like the rest. All right, and uh, we say that God is holy, 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 three times, because He's not just the best and perfect; He's like three times the best and perfect and amazing. All right, and so we call this week Holy Week because it's a week that we as Christians set it apart and say, God, we want you to move in our lives. God, we want you to do something special, something remarkable in our lives and the lives of our families and the people in our city and around us, and we believe that he will. Um, we're just crazy enough to do that. So I want to I ask you this week to be preparing your heart. Let something be different about this week for you, okay? Don't just go through the motions like, you know, do something different this week that will allow you to draw nearer to the Lord. And, uh, and so that's Holy Week. So today's Palm Sunday. So we're going to just take a look at some scripture today, and then we're going to take some time and uh, observe communion together as a church, um, and then we're going to pray over our, our Easter time uh, for next week. So we're really excited about that. So as we dive into Matthew chapter 26, um, I want you to see, we're going to be kind of looking at the story, and I'm going to read a lot, and I'm not going to say everything you want me to say, because it's, it's an Easter story. So just uh, go home, watch The Chosen or something, all right? Like, I don't know, uh, do your thing. You can get a more broad picture. I'm not going to be, I don't have enough time today to unpack everything that we're going to read. But I am going to read it all because I want you to hear the context. Like I believe God's word will not return to him void. So even if I don't get to speak and teach on every single word, I believe God's word speaks for itself. And I just didn't want to pick around different verses today. I wanted you to hear the word, okay? And so, uh, so I'm probably not going to get to teach or preach on everything. I'd imagine you people want to go home at some point today. Um, but there are a couple of things I want to draw out. And one of those things I want you you to hear me say this today um, above anything i believe that as we enter holy week and this is the week where we we watch and we anticipate jesus going to the cross to give his life on the cross and then rise again three days later as we get ready to do that this week this holy week um, i want you to hear uh these two words and uh, and the two words are this god provides god provides And I want us to see that through this Scripture today and through that lens and so I want to encourage you today sorry I didn't get around I got so pumped up after go time but uh we'd love for you to take notes today in the message so there may be some times I say write this down um what I mean is write it down um or if you use a phone or a tablet uh tap it down all right whatever uh works for you I want to encourage you to do that that's a way we're different as a church too is uh, I don't want to just entertain you during this time uh, but I want you to participate with God's word today all right so uh so that's how we'll roll with that Okay, um, so God provides. So um, here's, like, I was thinking about, when I was thinking about how God provides, I was thinking about, like, the first word that came to my mind was that God provides protection. Because that's kind of like, when I'm trying to talk to my kids, I got three little ones, uh, seven, five, and three uh, are their ages. And when I'm trying to talk to them about how, like, God provides, one thing that they, like, care a lot about is safety. Like they care a lot about safety, security. One of my kids is super risk averse. Like, so he's got a lot of questions about like, is this safe? Is this dangerous? Like what are the risks involved in this? And then when we say, well, do you want to do this? They'll, they'll go, I'll think about it. I'll, I'll think, let me think, let me get back to you. I need to do some Google searches, figure some things out, see, see what the risks are. And so, like, I, I get that, like, sometimes, so I'm always trying to explain, like, God provides protection, safety. Um, and so I want you to see, like, uh, you know, because a lot of times when we talk about providing. Here are a few things that if I was in certain situations, I would want provided for me. If it's raining, I would want what provided for me? An umbrella, right? So you see right there, we have an umbrella provided for us. So if it's raining, that's what I would want. Some of you did not answer that question. I'm just want like, would you want an umbrella? Like, surely, right? Like, a rain jacket. Yeah, but if... Okay, well, I'm not going to have... I'm trying to preach right now, so I'm not going to have this conversation with you. But we can definitely circle back, all right? Um, I, I like... Yeah, I would want an umbrella, okay? So an umbrella is a protective measure, like I would want someone to provide an umbrella for me to protect me from the elements, all right? Um, Another thing I was thinking, like, my favorite sport is baseball, and ladies and gentlemen, it's baseball season. We're here, uh, we're cheering on the Atlanta Braves as a church, we're so excited. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I can't make that call. That's between you and the good Lord. But I know that um, one of the things, like, if if you're in baseball and you're an umpire, you would want this type of equipment right? Um, that, that actually looks a lot scarier on this screen than it did on my laptop, but uh, <laughs> a lot more intense right there, but uh, yeah, like, um, and so I, I was recently, uh, Zeke and I were over at the Fred Nats uh, Park, and they were doing a thing, letting us, like, be on the field and throw the ball, and Zeke got to throw, Zeke is my son, and he got to throw um, a pitch off of the pitcher's mound, and so he'd do, he's seven, you know, he was doing his thing, it was really cool, and then I noticed there was this other dad and his daughter, like, uh, patiently waiting for us to finish. So I was like, Zeke, let's let's go. And the, the dad looks at me, hands me his phone and walks away. And I'm like, you want a picture or like, <laughs> is this a gift? Like, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, take video. I want video of my, my daughter pitching. And I was like, yes, sir. Like, let me do that for you. And so um, I'm standing like up against the back netting, right? And he goes, you got to get closer than that. That's going to be a horrible video. You're not going to be able to see the speed in which she pitches. And I was like, okay. So I take like a step closer. He's like, I want you right behind me. And I was like, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. If she pitches as fast as you say that she does, I don't want to stand right behind you. Like I, because honestly, I don't trust you to catch the ball, you know? And, uh, and he goes, no, 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 I won't let you get hit. I promise. And I'm like, okay, sure. Why I trusted him in that moment, I have no idea. But I was just like, sure, he seems like a trustworthy man. He's bossing me around. Sure, whatever. And so, so I'm, and sure enough, the, the girl's got a cannon. Like I'm talking, the ball just shoom, zipped by. First time, zips by, tips his glove, passes right by. And I'm thinking, dude, you're going to kill us. Like you're going to kill us all, you know. And, uh, and so I was able to get some video. But in that moment, I was like, man, that's what I need, right? Need some protective gear. Need someone to provide some protection for me. Um, I was thinking another job that would be really important to have protective gear would be uh, this one. If you were a beekeeper, I, I don't know why I thought about that, but I was like, you know, if I was a beekeeper, I would really want to make sure I was protected, right? Lord, please provide some protective gear for me. And, um, and so these are just kind of some, some silly things, but I want you to hear me say this. God provides protection for us. God provides protection for us, but it's not always in a physical way. He provides it best and most in a spiritual way. And our greatest need, yours and mine greatest need, is not just physical protection, but spiritual protection. And I want to get into why. So let's dive in, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Again, I'm not going to stop a whole lot just a couple of times. I'll make a couple of points and we'll keep reading, all right? Um, So here we go, Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. I know you guys have all been on the edge of your seats. No, you've already read the whole chapter by now, I know. Matthew 26, starting in verse 17. Here we go. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 20, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him, one after another, is it I, Lord? And he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes um, as it is written, but woe, to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would have been better for that man if he had not been born judas who would betray him answered is it i rabbi he said to him you have said so hey if you're taking notes i want you to write this down god provides forgiveness god provides forgiveness and this is, this is really an important aspect. Now, I want you to see here, first of all, it really cracks me up in, in this passage that Jesus is like, all right, disciples, I want you guys to go, go to this random house, knock on the door, talk to this random guy, tell him, the teacher says my time has come. I will come and eat at your house. I'm like, does that work anywhere else? Like, if I just sent my children over to your house and say, go, go, tell the Park family my time has come. I will be eating at their home tonight. Like, you know, that's like very ominous. It's kind of weird, but it works for Jesus. So Jesus sends his disciples. And my favorite part is the disciples don't even question them. You know, the disciples are like, at this point, like it's kind of, I mean, this is Jesus' last week. So at this point, it's like good that they got it. But they got, they're just like, okay, let's go do this, you know. And so they go and they, they start to prepare. Now, this is a really important time because um, this is the time of Passover, and uh, the time of Passover is an event recorded in the book of Exodus. And man, I really wish I had time to like go through and read Exodus and unpack all of this. But So I encourage you this week, I know it's weird, it's Holy Week, we want to read the Gospels, but I encourage you to go back and read some of Exodus too, because so much of what Jesus came to fulfill, we hear about in the book of Exodus. And, and so there was this, this event, and if you're new to church and you're not familiar, like the Passover, maybe you've heard that's like a Jewish uh, holiday or festival, and you're kind of wondering what it is. It actually goes back to an event in the book of Exodus where God was providing for his people. His people were in bondage and in slavery. And the people had been crying out day and night for a deliverer, for God to deliver them. And so God raised up a guy named Moses. Right, where are my Prince of Egypt fans at? You guys watch that movie? Yeah, phenomenal soundtrack too. If you haven't watched the movie, listen to the music. It's really good. But uh, so Moses, right, is our is our guy. God calls Moses, says Moses, um, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Okay, yeah. A few of you have seen the movie. Okay, or uh, read the book. So um, here's the. So Moses says, uh, goes to Pharaoh, says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh Pharaoh. Okay, thank you. I just did that just for you guys, all right? So he says, let my people go. Um, so Pharaoh does this back and forth thing. He's like, yes, no, yes, no, maybe, I don't know, yes, 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 no, no, no. Like they're doing this back and forth thing. So God starts to send these miracles in the form of plagues uh, to the land. And so this, this kind of Man, climax like climax of a plague like that happens is an event called a Passover where what happens is God says that He is going to go and He's basically going to um, cause death to enter every single home in the land, but He tells His people that they can avoid that death if they will basically make a sacrifice, kill an animal, and take the blood of that animal. And, and paint it over their door. And he says, when that day comes, the spirit of death will pass over the houses that have the blood sprinkled on their doorposts. All right, so you guys get it now? So that's why it's called Passover. So the spirit of death, so sure enough, that's exactly what happens. The spirit of death comes and causes death and chaos and destruction for every home that was not protected by blood, by the blood of a sacrifice. Well, how amazing is it that Jesus is getting ready to to give his life, to sacrifice his life during Passover to show that, hey, you still need blood. (laughs) There still needs to be a sacrifice in order for death and destruction to pass over your life. Like that still is the case. And church, listen, that's still the case today. Like the penalty for our disobedience to God, every one of us, the penalty is death. Now I know that's extreme, like sometimes we give the three strikes you're out rule, sometimes it's a, you know, one more time and there's going to be consequences, like sometimes we do things like that or, or we think that for ourselves, you know, if we get in trouble at work, well there should have been more warning signs, you know, given to us. Well God says, here's your warning sign, anything less than perfection and holiness in my name cannot be with me, and so the opposite of being with me is being with death and destruction. And so that's it. That's the option. And so so God says, you know what? That's impossible. You can't do it. And so the only way for sinful, messed up, disobedient, broken people to be with a holy, perfect, powerful, amazing, spotless God is for our sins and our disobedience to be completely washed away and passed over and forgiven. And so Jesus does that for us the miracle in exodus is actually pointing us to the miracle of what jesus did on the cross for us because now we don't have to go out and kill an animal or a lamb praise god like we don't have to do those things because now the ultimate sacrifice has already been paid for us because here's another secret even the lambs they sacrificed were supposed to be spotless but they couldn't even find those God just had to show forgiveness anyway and accept what they brought. Now, though, we finally have a perfect, spotless sacrifice, and it was Jesus. Because Jesus came to earth as God, but in the form of a human, lived the life that you and I were supposed to live resisted temptation, lived it perfectly, showed compassion, showed love, but yet spoke amazing truth that left people in awe. Like Jesus did all of that that we were supposed to. And so you and I, we are not good sacrifices because we wouldn't, we wouldn't pay anybody's payment. Only Jesus was worthy to make the payment. And so what happens is that there is coming a day of death and destruction for all people. Like, that is, that is just kind of how we're born. It's called like a sin nature. It's just kind of what we're born into. Like, we're all born into a really messed up, broken world. How many of you know this world is messed up and broken? Like, I've cried a lot of tears this week for the brokenness in our world. Like, this world is totally, utterly broken. And we're born into it. So the only way to get out of that brokenness and to be passed over by death and destruction is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. The blood that Jesus poured out on the cross for us accepted in our lives. And you say, well, Brandon, that's kind of, okay, first of all, it's kind of weird. Like we're talking a lot about blood and death and destruction. Thought this was like a day of hope. You know, like what are we, what are we doing? And listen, brother, sister, it is. Like it is an incredible, hopeful feeling to know that you don't have to die. You don't have to give your life. And I found myself trying to explain this to my kids last night, and I I just wanted to say it to you too in just the simplest way that I, I could. Jesus gave his life on a cross. He suffered death and destruction to his physical body and suffered the wrath, spiritual wrath of God for all of sin for all of time. And the reason that he did that is for you. And I think a lot of times we try to say, well, the reason he did that is actually this idea of propitiation. And if you, you know, we try to get all theological with it, and I can play with you, we can talk through those things, but at the end of the day, every single one of those vast, beautiful theological truths points to this one statement, Jesus did it for you. He did it for you. And we need to take the gospel, this beautiful truth, and try to just move it down about six inches from here to here. And realize that it's not just that he did it, but he did it for me. That he literally thought of me. That I, my sin was accounted for. And so this thought of Passover points us to our sins being passed over. Can you imagine that? (laughs) I mean, this is why this is crazy because we sit here as Christians and sometimes we come to church and it's just like, ho-hum. Like, yeah, I'm at church school. Yeah, I did church. It was great, whatever. And we lose the sight of the fact that our sins were passed over. That means forgiven. That's like you owe somebody something and they came to you and said, oh, don't worry about it. I took care of it. And you know what the first thing is that we try to do when somebody says that? No, 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 no. I can't let you do that. How much was it? I'll, you know, and really whether that's you mean it or you're just trying to be nice and hoping they don't say, well, sure, I'll take a little bit, you know, like, whatever the case may be. The fact is our first inclination is always to not accept. Because we live in a culture in Northern Virginia that is not good at receiving. When we planted our first church in Fairfax, Virginia, 10 years ago, we did a community survey. And I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to plant a church. So I just spent like the first six months just knocking on people's doors, asking them, what is God, like what do you think the community needs and how can I pray for you? And I just spent my first six months doing that. You know what the number one answer um, that I got when I asked people, what do you think the big your biggest need is? You know what the number one answer was? Nothing. Nothing. I'm good. I don't need anything. Especially coming from some puny pastor who has a grand total of two people in his church, and he's one of them. You know, like, like I don't need anything from you, you know? And and that was by far the, the number two answer, better robes. Yeah, I was like, actually, you don't know how good you have it, first of all. (laughs) I've driven through Alabama. Like, you don't know how good you have it, all right? But, like, I just, I share that to say, like, listen, we are so quick to say, oh, no, 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 that's good, I got it. But, guys, when it comes to having a relationship with God, you don't got it. You don't. There's nothing you can do or have done or might do to muster it up. But you know what? God died anyway for you gave his son anyway for you and now those of us who believe in the blood of Jesus who believe that Jesus has died has died and risen again those of us who believe that have his blood sprinkled on our doorpost of our life and now when it comes time to give an account for sin God is going to pass over our disobedience are you kidding me that's amazing I know what I've done. And when faced with the mighty holiness and awesomeness of God, I can't help but think about all the ways I don't deserve this. And yet God says, I don't know what you're talking about. All I see is the rightness and perfection of Jesus in your life. What are you talking about disobedience? Like that's the relationship you have with God. And you're going, Brandon, that's not what my night looked like last night. That's not what my life feels like right now. And I would just encourage you, see yourself the way God sees you. (laughs) With the blood of Jesus covering you, wiping away and passing over all of your sin. But at the same time, realize it is not a lazy passing over. The passing over required a sacrifice. It just didn't come from you. It came from our Lord Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, let's keep reading. Matthew 26, uh, let's jump into verse 26. It says, uh, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out. For many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. How amazing is that? If you're taking notes, write this down. God provides Himself. God provides Himself. I love that God didn't just phone it in. <laughs> and say, yeah, you guys figure it out, or, you know, yeah, try a little bit harder, or, okay, I'll forgive you this time, but now just don't do it again. Instead, God says the only one that can fix this problem is me, and I'm coming. And so Jesus looks, he, he knows he, he's, now again, he's showing, he's using a lot of symbolism here that from the Passover, again, don't have quite enough time to get into today, but he takes bread, blesses it, and breaks it. And, and shows, like, as this bread is broken, eat it and let it remind you that this is going to be my body. Now, for us, we get that, right? Because we're like, yeah, Jesus has already died. For them, Jesus has not died yet. They're still waiting on Jesus to run for political office and set up his kingdom in the middle of Rome. That's what they're waiting on. And instead, Jesus breaks it and says, I'm going to die. This should remind you of my body that's going to be utterly broken for you. Every time you eat it, I want you to think about my body being broken for you. And then he takes a cup. Now, that cup is important. I'm going to come back to that cup, or we're going to in just a second in Scripture. But I want you to just imagine he takes a cup and he he blesses it, gives thanks for it. And then he says, drink of it. And then he says this. This is amazing. Drink of it, all of you. Well, guess who's at the table? A stinking traitor. All right? A guy that we just read about where Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all looking around like, is it going to be me? Is it going to, I don't think it's going to be me. Is it going to be you? Like we're all trying to figure it out. And Jesus says, actually, drink of it, all of you. And I can almost imagine him looking at Judas at that point and saying, drink of it. And Judas with his head down and Jesus saying, all of you. You too. Because listen, the death of Jesus knows no limits. The the sacrifice of Jesus and the forgiveness that He gives for our sins does not know any boundary. You are not sitting here today too far gone. You have not outsinned His grace. There is nothing you can do, have done, or will do that can disrupt His love for you. And he is willing to sit at the table with even the fiercest of betrayers and say, drink it, because it's for you too. And guys, I'm just telling you, I need that, because at this table, I want to be the beloved disciple, John. You guys have seen that amazing painting, right? Where John's the one that's laying his head on Jesus's chest. I'm pretty sure John's the one who drew that picture and like came up with it, you know. I mean, in the book of John, he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved, you know. Okay, whatever, dude. And so he's like laying his head down. That's who I want to be in the story. No, seriously, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, that's who I am. I'm just laying my head on his chest. I give a little nuzzle every now and then. I'm right here in the arms of my Jesus. But if I'm just being honest with you, that's not reality in my life. The reality is I'm Judas with my head down. And my head is pointed down because I feel there are days that I feel so unworthy of his love. There are days I feel so unworthy of his forgiveness. I say things like this and maybe you can relate. God, I want to ask you to forgive me for that, but I've already I feel like I've I feel like I've asked that too many times. And so sometimes what happens is instead of leaning on more grace and love and adoration for Jesus, we say, you know what? I can't go to him. I cannot ask him to forgive me one more time of this. I've already worn out my forgiveness tokens with him. So now I've just got to figure this out. Guys, that is anti-Christ. That is anti-gospel. The good news is you'll never figure it out. And the good even better news is, is that Jesus' love will never run out. That it is always there for you. And you, you get, you, he passes over our sin because he has provided his body and his blood. So in the story, listen, I think it's amazing that Jesus says, I need all of you to drink this because you're not always John nuzzled up with Jesus. Sometimes you're the betrayer on the other side of the table with your head down going, I just don't know if I deserve this. And Jesus says, No, drink it. It is literally for you. I did this for you. And so I think Jesus is making a really important thing here that the Lord's Supper or communion is personal. Not just personal for you, but personal with you and with Him. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. And I'm pouring it out for you. It's amazing. All right, let's keep reading. Uh, look at verse 30. He says, uh, so they, they ate that dinner, right? And in verse 30 it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. Because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He's quoting the Old Testament and just showing how another prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Verse 32, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. This is amazing. Jesus is telling them, but then I'm going to rise from the dead and I'll go before you and I'll just meet you guys in Galilee. Verse 33, Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Oh, don't you want to be Peter, right? If you don't, want, if you don't like nuzzling, maybe you like overconfidence, you know? And, uh, and so John's nuzzled up and Peter's giving it to everybody, you know? Uh, yeah, and I love that Peter even looks and goes, yeah, they, I could see all of them falling away. That's not going to happen to me, though. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then verse 34, Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of the disciples said the exact same thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. God provides enough. God provides enough. And maybe in parentheses, you would write this statement down: "I am not enough." And I want you to hear my heart because I'm not trying to offend you. You know, I know that may sound a little offensive. Like Brandon, what are you saying? I'm not enough. Yes, I am. God loves me, and I am enough. But here's the bottom line: there are days in following Jesus that you feel like what you're bringing is just not enough. You feel like, man, God, I'm trying. I'm really trying. And I had a lot of plans this week. This week I was going to do this for you and do that for you and I was going to change this and change that and now it's been seven days and I just, I, I don't know what happened. Listen to me. I'm not telling you you're not enough to shame you. I'm telling you you're not enough to free you. Because it is a very freeing thought to know that you're not enough and God knew that before you did. And the times that I feel like I'm failing and that I'm not enough, listen to me, church, that's actually my reality. I may call that a bad day. God calls that Tuesday. (laughs) And what I realize is that on that day, I'm just more aware of it than I am other days. So church, listen to me. God already knows you're not enough. God already knows you're not going to measure up. God already knows, and He wants you anyway. And He already provided Himself for us, who is enough. And so listen to me, you're not enough, but He is enough. When you feel like your cup is empty, He is enough to fill it. When you feel like you can't do it anymore, He is enough to satisfy you. When you feel like you are totally empty and you're just not giving anybody anything and you feel like totally worthless and like a big disappointment, you are enough because He is enough for you. You are not enough because you picked yourself up by your bootstraps and made it happen. You will actually make things worse. You are only enough because you realize that he is enough and when we are weak his strength is made perfect in us is what 1 corinthians uh, or 2 corinthians 12 says and so god is enough and i i just look peter to me that was his biggest problem and all the disciples they wanted to be enough They wanted to lean on themselves and show, no, Jesus, we will not abandon you. We will not leave you. I will stand up for you. I will do this. But the fact is, guys, there's going to be some days you just lack the energy to do it. There's going to be days you fall short. And I want you to know that there is a net of grace waiting for you in Jesus, not in yourself, Maybe not in your coworkers, maybe not in your fellow students you go to school with, maybe not in your family members, but in Jesus, there is a safety net of grace that you are able to fall into and be comforted and reassured and made secure and brought back up to try again. On the days when you feel like you are not enough, Jesus is. Let's keep reading. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The last thing that we see here I want you to write down is God provides a cup. God provides a cup. He provides a cup of wrath and a cup of mercy. But God provides a cup. I told you we'd come back to the cup because remember we're sitting at the table We're hanging out. Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. Eat it. Remember me. And then he takes a cup and says, this is the cup. This is my blood. It's a new covenant. Pass it around. Drink it and remember who I am. Right? And now, just a few hours later, we have Jesus in a garden of Gethsemane. And there he is. And he's on his face. And in other accounts, we read that he's actually sweating blood. That word sorrowful and troubled literally means like anxiety ridden. Like, like having problem, like he is literally in his soul, troubled, sad, sorrowful, crying. Like this is a really big deal. And this is Jesus's prayer. Jesus's prayer is, dear Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Wasn't that amazing? Because it wasn't at the cup that Jesus looked at all of his disciples and said, drink it, all of you. All of you drink it. And now Jesus is saying, oh my gosh, but now I'm responsible for this cup and God, if there's any other way for this cup of me shedding my blood to pass, then I just want to throw, I just want to ask, can we do it another way? But then Jesus surrenders and says, but if that's not your will, then I will drink the cup. Well, what is in the cup? In the cup, I believe, are two things. The first thing we would see on the cross, which is God's wrath. It is the death and destruction that does not get passed over without the blood. It is all of the punishment for all of the sin for all of time. And that cup of wrath is like a a God-sized cup That God just pours out on top of Jesus and Jesus drinks every single sip of the punishment, the anger and the wrath of God down to the last drop and tips the cup over to show that it is finished that he has drank and absorbed and taken on all of God's anger and punishment and wrath for sin for all of mankind for all of time. That includes yours. Your sin was in that cup that Jesus willfully drank out of his love for you. But I believe that I go back to the other cup of Now we're having the Lord's Supper and we're around the table. Well, what's that cup got in it? Not God's wrath because now God's wrath has been absorbed. It's not there anymore. God's wrath was totally taken. So what's in the cup now? His his mercy. His mercy is in the cup. And so now there is no more wrath for you and I to drink. Only mercy. Brother, sister, listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this today. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. The things happening in your life are not because God is mad at you. The circumstances that are happening, the fear that you have that you're going to miss something or mess something up, listen to me, is not because God is mad at you. He is not. He has already poured his anger out on Jesus, it has been absorbed, and your sins have been forgiven, and now you drink from a cup of mercy. The cup you drink from is not his anger or his disappointment. The cup you drink from is his mercy of saying, try again. I love you. I am with you. I am enough. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. But listen, we're not done because the last thing here, if you're taking notes, write this down. God provides communion. God provides communion. And I just want to read to you, I'm going to skip over for a second, and I know I didn't get to the whole chapter, and I'm sorry, we just I, I don't want to keep you for too long today, um, but I do want to read to you one last part here is it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 and i think we're going to put it up on the screen so you guys don't have to turn there if you if you can't get there 1 Corinthians 11:23 says for i received from the lord what i also delivered to you this is now the apostle paul talking after jesus has risen from the dead he's he's teaching the church what we just talked about He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant means promise. He said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So guys, we're going to do something today as we kick off Holy Week and we prepare our hearts for Easter. We are going to take the Lord's Supper or communion together as a church. So we've got some, um, some great folks who are going to start passing around some of the elements. And you're going to grab a cup that has a piece of bread in it, and you're going to grab a cup that has some juice in it and uh and you're just going to hold on to them okay so don't do anything with them yet but as they're doing that let me give you some instruction if you're here today and you are a follower of jesus whether this is your church or not we invite you as a follower of jesus to take the lord's supper with us if you are here today and you're not ready to follow jesus that's that's okay we love you and we're so glad you're here I'm just going to ask that you would not take communion today. No one's going to notice. No one's going to care. We're not going to call you out. But it's just a way of saying, man, I'm just going to be authentic and real. I'm not there yet. Because to you, it's just bread and juice. But to those who follow Jesus, it's everything we've talked about here today. So as the elements are being passed out, guys can, um, can grab those as you want. And I'm going to give you some instruction. A lot of times our church, we take communion every Sunday. And sometimes it becomes just a a thing we do. (laughs) Just another thing you can do. But guys, I don't want us to ever lose the seriousness. This didn't just come or happen, thank you, um, because of us. This happened because Jesus gave his life. And so here are three things that we're going to do right now as we observe communion. Number one, we're going to remember Jesus. It's what the Bible says. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I hear him telling his friends in like a personal way. Remember me. Stop, think, and consider me. Remember what I've done for you and who I am. So we're going to remember Jesus. Number two, we are going to confess our sins to Jesus. Now I know that for some of us that's intimidating. But listen, when you have a Savior who stands ready to forgive and has already absorbed our wrath, confession, though somber, has joy waiting on the other side. Repentance and confession is going to be normal at this church because we all need to confess and repent hi pastor brandon here thanks again for listening to our impact church sermon podcast if god has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. if you're local to the fredericksburg area we would love to see you for worship in person but if not please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.